Hello and welcome to Game Quest episode 240. I'm your host, Mike Apps, aka Wheels, and with me as always. Spreading robot, David Burning, Bamba Master. Uh, department store Santa on the lamb, Michael Baker, Gaijin Mino Guitari. Nice. Oh, oh, how are we doing? How are we doing? It's just before Christmas. So it is, so it is, and me with some presents I can't send anywhere. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. At this point, I'm not even sure if the expensive option for postage is available Oof. to America. That's rough. Yep. What about DHL? Hmm? DHL? Although that's not... Um, that sounds like something involved with Ethernet and Internet, and you can't really send items that way. No, no. It's, uh... What, uh... You've never heard... What about FedEx, then? Yes, I will hire the American company to send stuff from Japan. Uh, assuming they don't have any branches over there, then? I don't know. Nope. <laughs> Not surprised. That sucks. What federal did you think was expressing? <laughs> <laughs> well, my my usual op my usual options are either SAL, which is land, um, sea air land, or EMS, oh. actually, or a small package, which is normal or used to be normal, and EMS, which is faster but t costs like between three and six times more than small package, depending on what it is. So. Like the minimum possible cost for an EMS package is two thousand five hundred yen. Yikes! For a package that could cost like four to five hundred yen normally to America. That's lovely. We'll pretend it's yep. good. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, so um, this is one major reason why you are not getting a package yet, Wheels. Yes. Possibly May. Uh, well, I mean, no. I'll have to ask you to, to look for something else. I may just order that game from Amazon Japan. Yeah. It definitely would be faster. I mean, and honestly, with the current options for sending, it would probably still be cheaper. Yeah, either that or Play Asia. I think Play Asia still has pretty cheap shipping. Uh, yeah. I've noticed higher prices in Amazon Japan lately for shipping. Yeah, probably a change in the yen or something. Yeah. Man, as it is, um, I mean, that game just came out in September over here, so that's still a little too early to be seeing it in the used markets, which is why I couldn't find it at first. Yeah. So. Give it a few months and I might find it for quite a bit less, but yeah, I guess I can wait. Normally, we dive into what we're playing, but before we do that, since one of the questions we have is actually going to be relevant to something very specific, I'm going to pull it out here because Carl asked. Uh, I'd also like to know what difficulty Gaijin is playing SMT5 on. We know your points into what. Love it. Standard, normal difficulty. Smart, very smart. Yeah. So that's the one person here who did not choose this. Nope. <laughs> yeah. I do not do that. It didn't Don't actually have an option when I started. So. Hmm. 
yeah. I assume that that's still what you're playing, Dyson. SMP. Yeah. And when you when you hear my step spread right now. Sure. The, the sure. audience craves it. <laughs> yep. So right now my hero is at level fifty-three. Mm -hmm. uh, I took a break from exploring Tokyo train station to go back and grab all the Mimon that I just revealed again. Because I found the third I found the third informant. So I'm currently at 147 of the little red guys. Oh wow. Nice. Yeah. Out of two hundred. Yeah. Um there may be one or more one or two more left in that area just because they don't actually show up even with the informant until you have opened that section of the map. That makes sense. But um but yeah, so let's see. Strength, 43. Constitution, 40. Magic, 39. Speed, 40. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Want to, want to take any guesses on luck? 80? I don't know what the cap is. <laughs> Five. I haven't found the cap yet, but I will let you know when I do. But I'm, I'm assuming enough. the cap is 100 because I'm... Way, way close to the end of the bar there. Wow. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna go left. with... Uh, what? 87. Damn. Jesus. I was about to price his right wheels and say 81. 81, you son of a bitch. <laughs> 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 uh, oh, we got some comments in my chat. Uh, Budai says he watched Phil play this game to completion, which is... Uh, which game? Uh, Deedlet Wonder. Oh, Deedlet and Wonder Labyrinth. Record of Lotus War. Yeah. Lotus War game, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Pew says, yo, game. yo, Pew. Yeah, I know nothing about Record of Lotus War and don't really care about it. not really much, much to know. I know it's based on somebody's D&D campaign or something. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of the thing. It's that there's not much to it. It feels like someone's DVD campaign. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I watched yeah. Phil play this game, and it looked freaking rad. So I picked up the, the physical Switch copy. Cool. The '80s OVA of it is very pretty. That's probably the most recommendable thing about it that exists in English. Mm. <laughs> If you're just, like, there for a fantasy story, you can do better. It's mostly very mm. standard. <laughs> yeah. It was an early 80s um, AD&D campaign, originally. And it shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But everyone's got eight. Made, cool. made it the basis for their own game system. Yeah, they eventually just were like, you know what, let's just make a record of Lodos War game system. I've never heard how that functions. I have no idea how much it shed its D&D roots. And I have no idea well, how popular like, it actually became. <laughs> well, it's kind of the template for all of the homegrown tabletop games in Japan after that, but they're all D6. That makes sense. Ah, interesting. I guess that's mm. easier and cheaper to manufacture, so... I mean, easier I think part of the of. reason they came up with their own to begin with was an issue with importing the dice. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, why not just use the dice people already have? Yeah. Trying to think, I think like Shadowrun did that for a long time as well. Mm -hmm. Like that just used D6. Don't World of Darkness like used 
all D10s or something. <laughs> yeah, but that's still like a non-standard die. You don't just get that with all the board yeah. games that your parents bought. Well, D10's even less standard than the rest because that's the one that, um, that TSR originally had to special order because the company that they were getting the stuff from originally produced like plastic objects of um, actual polygons. Not actual poly I mean polyhedrons. Yeah, and, and so you were supposed to they were just having to like put numbers on them, I guess. No 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 no. The D ten, as it is designed, is not a perfect is not an actual mathematical polyhedron. Oh because of the way it goes around the middle or something. But yeah, um all the others were um actually available originally. Not I mean not as numbered dice. That's why you had to cover But the like the actual like manufacturer that consisted yeah. of you know, making a polyhedron was already yeah. so yeah so done. the original manufacturer that they were able to get these things from which was originally a like a geometry mathematics in, um, teaching supply store <laughs> um, nerds but, but they didn't have d10s because that was not actually feasible as a geometric polyhedron mm -hmm. yeah uh, odd choices all around yeah. Um. Um. But yeah. So. SMT five and adventures in post office thing. Uh, wheels. What have you played? Uh, I've continued playing Persona 5 Strikers um, getting to the second yeah we saw a bit of that in shenanigans yeah uh, getting to the second uh, jail and making some progress there and that game I'm not playing on hard anymore because that that game's brutally hard yes. well yeah I, it, that's kind of like a Tecmo Koe thing, like if you try and play any of their Musou games on hard, they are really freaking hard. Uh, so, yeah. So yeah, I stopped doing that. They're, 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 they're not games that easier. I generally feel like I enjoy being more precise with, so I was not going to try that. Yeah. Yeah, precision and Musou does, do not seem to really go together. It's yeah. Wildly swinging your staff around and hoping to hit stuff. Yeah, and like Strikers has like a generally more interesting twist just by virtue of incorporating a bunch of uh, like press turn elements into it, but it's still like not not really a precision game. That's all I'm concerned. Yeah, but it's uh, it's a very good Muso and a very good Persona spinoff. So. Yeah, I really have almost no bad things to say about it. Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could complain about the load times, but I'm not an impatient. Not that impatient, so it yeah, doesn't bother that... me. I mean, most of the time, yeah. most of the time you're in a dungeon. There's not really. It's pretty seamless. Yeah. So it's just like transitioning from area to area. Occasionally, there's some load times. Not really that big a deal. Yeah. But yeah, Strikers, Strikers is impressive. It's definitely uh, better than any of the other prior spinoffs. Not uh, Persona spinoffs. Not to damn it with faint praise. But... 
man. Some of, some of those were pretty dire. Um, yeah. Especially if you just wanted a like actual sequel to the game. Like it's much closer to feeling like one uh, Persona 4 Arena mm -hmm. or dancing and those. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, if they want to do this with some of the other Persona casts, that would be cool. It's just like a nice little template for doing like the further adventures of. You know, group A. If they want to do a sequel to this, I would buy the hell out of that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it does help that I feel like the, the five cast feels more suited to having further adventures. But yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Um, but yeah, anything else past Strikers? Uh, uh, plotting along in SMT5, mostly just leveling up and trying to prepare to attempt to take down that first major boss. And continue on. Gotta, gotta eventually. Someday. Yeah. And, oh, I did start up, um, Astria Ascending. Mm -hmm. oh, it's like that. an indie RPG. It's, it has some, like, veteran JRPG developers working on it. I don't know exactly who. <laughs> But it's it's been pretty decent so far. It's got a nice art style and really good music. So uh, probably more of that uh, next time. Music. That's about it for me. Yeah. Um, actually, did but yeah. Uh... Oh, it's the it's the one that has Kazushika Nojima and Hitoshi Sakamoto on it. Yeah. Nojima is the uh, writer of a number of Square's weirdest plots. Seven oh, which one? And he's not uh, he's not on uh, Masato Kato's level of spaceman. So. Uh, yeah, FF7's eight and FF seven, eight and ten, uh, Kingdom Hearts one. Uh, I think he was. I'll need to check. He's he's, he's got a rap sheet in my phone. I believe his first game was actually a uh, Detective Jin Guji Saburo game. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Tante Jin Guji Saburo, Kiken Nafutari. He was scenario writer on that back in '88. And then Glory of Heracles two. More Sabado, some more Glory Pericles, and he was apparently on Bahamut Lagoon before ending up as scenario writer on FF7. Like I said, 7, 8, 10, uh, Kingdom Hearts, uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 specifically, he's not involved with most, oh no wait, he's, he's still involved with like uh, 2, but I think his involvement drops off there. Uh, of 10 to basically all the compilation of FF7 titles. Inexplicably, Super Smash Brothers Brawl's subspace emissary mode was written by him as well. <laughs> no idea what happened there. Uh, Money? He, uh, he eventually seems to go like full, uh, just, uh, how to describe this? He goes full contract, uh, so you see him on some real strange stuff. Uh, last, uh, Lord of Arcana, Blackrock Shooter the Game, uh, Dragon's Dogma Online, Itadaki Street, 
Dragon Quest at Final Fantasy 30th Anniversary. Uh, but yeah, uh, his there's a bunch of titles of his like he's, he's a frequent collaborator with Nomura. Uh, they like he's listed as some of his stuff seems to have gotten heavily rewritten, especially in the late aughts. Uh, specifically. For FF13, he's credited as Scenario Concept, which makes it sound like he had a very light hand in whatever the final writing ended up being. Uh, he also is credited on FF15 as Original Story Plot, whatever that means. Mm. Uh, I presume that means that he was cre he was the scenario designer back when it was Versus 13, and that's how they chose to credit him. Uh, but yeah, they they roped him back in for FF7 remake, and yeah, he's also Astria Ascending, which is what brought us here, and currently is also credited as being on Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origins. So wherever that plot goes, it's gonna be weird. Sweet. Uh, he is an absolute wild card of a scenario writer. I've listed a lot of things that I think are very good and a lot of things that are very strange. And if you have ever read any of the novels that he wrote involved uh, as like expansion material to FF7 or FF10, you know that he can also go to very strange places when no one is telling him to stop. Uh... I remember Most... discussing a possible Final Fantasy X three plot that somebody floated once and never got off the ground. Was that him? I believe Nojima was involved with that. Uh, and yeah, there's a good reason no one touched that. Yeah, um, it was like going back to the well and not and nuttying it. Yeah, like the lead into that plot would be the thing that the novel he wrote that I was just derisively referring to. F of 10, two and a half, A.N. Nodaisho. Uh, that seems to have been the one that, like, was setting up an F of 10 free plot that would have basically just been F of 10 again, but everyone is even more miserable. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that did not sound like a fun time. I'm perfectly fine with that seemingly having been set aside for the last at least five, maybe ten years. Uh, they, they could do so much better with that world than just rehashing the Sin plotline. Yeah, 10-2 was an... In, like, I know you didn't like 10-2, but the thing that's interesting about 10-2's plot is that it's everyone in, on the planet trying to work out what their lives are now that Sin is gone. Oh, that's the part that I liked about 10-2. Yeah, no, I figured that's the part that you would like. I know <laughs> you didn't like the game part. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, like, the concept behind FF10-2 is very strong. Game part. <laughs> But yeah, like I, I would argue that the concept behind FF10 2 of leaving, of like people choosing how to define themselves now that, like essentially the entire world order has been broken on, on the, like broken upon the wheel, is uh, is a very interesting place to take that, the correct place to go. Yeah, I, I mean when you're in when you're. Principal world culture is based around a literal millennialist death cult. <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly the reason for the sacrifices has gone. Like, okay. What do we yeah. do next? 
Budai asked in the chat, will we all play Yakuza in the year of 2022? Yes. Well, you've made the promise, you've heard it here first, and you're allowed to make fun of me. Wait, which work. one? Just finish I assume Like a Dragon? That I yeah, I assume Like a Dragon would count. Yeah, that's, that's definitely going to get finished. I think I'm going to do uh, a whole nother, like I did earlier this year, like, I'm going to finish these games in this period of time. <laughs> Although maybe uh, maybe not as stupid as uh, Dragon Quest Seven and Persona Five because that was that was something. Yeah, but I clarify any of them, so yeah, yeah. Uh, like a dragon gets to be there, I guess. Um, that does remind me. Speaking of making really arbitrary decisions of uh, playing an ungodly number of games that are uh, eventually going to consume and destroy your life. Uh, I started playing Mega Man games again. <laughs> oh, sweet. Which ones? Uh, I've polished off Mega Man Battle Network 3. I had to play through most of that. I only just started it when I fell off last time. Uh, that is a very interesting game. Uh, I, f uh, I was going to tell you, I what? found out that I apparently own a copy of that game for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good game. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, so the thing that was interesting to me about playing uh, Battle Network 3 is that they're still trying to introduce some new... They, they just completely rewrote how the progression system works. Because in the first two games, the progression system was that you had... Uh, you would find power-up chips, and those would allow you to level one of your like core stats. And like that, that was a perfectly fine system. It was not... There wasn't much to it. Uh, the way they've done it, they've taken that system entirely out in Battle Network 3. They replaced it with the system uh, that has you, you have like a grid of uh, squares and different Tetris pieces you put in them. And you have like three rules for how you have to arrange them. Uh... But the thing is, you're allowed to arrange them in ways that break those rules. It just causes Mega Man to have bugs. And those bugs can be a lot of different things. Like, they can be Mega Man's health slowly drains. They can be, uh, like, the area that you just stepped on crumbles or something like when you leave it. It's all, it's all sorts of weird things. So if you're willing to live with those bugs, you're allowed to do technically combinations that the game would describe as illegal. Uh, it's the kind of system I you also you have you mess with it. <laughs> it's it's an interesting one. There's some other things to it that are kind of neat as well. Uh, so the three rules are: you can't place uh, two tiles of the same color adjacent to each other. Uh, you cannot uh, have tiles that do not grant abilities running through a line that bisects the square. So like, if they if they're just stat ups, you can't have them running through that, or you'll get bugs. But if they are uh, abilities, they have to run through that middle uh, thing. So like, abilities are actually both super important because they are uh, there are often abilities that you need in order to be able to progress in the story. So you need to rearrange yourself to be able to use them. Uh, but at the same time, you still have to, uh, 
Oh, Smokin' Joe's asking for a Mega Man 11 speedrun. Uh, ask games done quick. Uh, but yeah, that's you. You have to be very careful about the arrangement and the. Uh, you can't stick with one arrangement, even if it's working, because the story will force certain things into your uh, arrangement, which is obnoxious, but I get why they did it. Uh, there's some other stuff here that's very interesting, but also very indicative of, one, the kind of game the Battle Network was, as well as uh, how they intended to raise awareness of that kind of game because battle network 3 has a bunch of abilities uh has a bunch of things that you can do by inputting like secret codes that were meant to be disseminated via like the anime and advertisements and tie-in comics and other shit yeah uh, that was pretty common for the game boy advance era i've seen several games with that yeah, the thing that's weird about it is that the stuff that you're supposed to get from it is makes the game really... A lot of it is some of the more interesting stuff in the game. And I wish that there had been some indication where... Any, for some way to get any of this information. So, like, uh, one of the things you'll get are... Uh, Smokin' Joe says we should play that... Uh, we also bring play that, bring back adventures and platforming. We will discuss this later. Um, but uh, how to describe this? Uh, there are a, so one of the things you can get, uh, one of the things you can do is uh, there are compression codes in the game, and that basically makes it so that you use those on certain uh, Navi customization chips, and it removes a square from them. They, they become smaller. You can fit them better into the uh, grid. And that's really cool. And there's no indication... There's nothing in the game itself that will ever... It, it will tell you that these compression codes exist. There's nothing that indicates how they are input, and there is no way to learn any of them, as far as I can tell. Huh. Uh, there's other things that are, like, interesting... Like... Because a lot of these are Navi customization stuff. There's like... Uh, so Mega Man also has one other way that he can improve over the course of the game. He has a style that will change every like 80 or so battles. Uh, either the current one you have equipped will level up, or if you're in normal style, you'll get a new one. And uh, each style actually alters what, his Navi, what color of blocks that his Navi customization can use. There are, however, there is a way to use uh, colors he's not supposed to without getting double color. You can get you'll, the game will actually shoot an error code at you, and if you know the correct like uh, sequence to put in when you get the error code, you can use uh, blocks that you're not supposed to be able to in that form and it's 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 a very interesting system that i wish that they would put more that they hadn't hidden so much of behind ads and secret codes because like of course now you can go on the internet and find every code in the game and how it's input but i i think it would be more satisfying if they had made it so that it was something that existed more like consistently within the game uh 
there are some other codes you can put in that are interesting that were seemingly also disseminated in a similar fashion that allow you to uh, grant Mega Man bonuses without having the corresponding chip. Uh, the really abusive ones of those uh, will automatically trigger bugs, but it is another layer of customization. It makes the leveling level up system go from something very simple and kind of uh, like not bad, but not particularly interesting to one of the more interesting parts of the game. So you know, it's it was a highlight of how how they chose to change the game. The opinion of literally every human being I have ever heard uh, is that Battle Network 4 is a travesty. So after I mean, polishing that off... <laughs> say what? I, I didn't remember having that much of a problem with it. it. Just It wasn't quite as good, but that's about it. Yeah, but, uh, people who care a lot about... Mega Man Battle Network seems to think that Battle Network 4 is by far the worst in the series. Uh, I'll get to it eventually. I, I needed a break from Battle Network anyway, though, so I jumped into Mega Man Zero after that. But that's not an RPG. Also, the same day I finished Mega Man Zero. <laughs> that is a balls-hard game. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. Uh, I was... I was playing on the Legacy Collection. I had turned on the extra checkpoints because the uh, the uh, Smoking Joe says, "Play my Mario Maker level," and I respond, "Paint my chicken coop." <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. But yeah, uh, the so. The, the Legacy Collection, the original live system of Mega Man Zero One, I could only describe as, like, abusive. Like, it's a truly heinous thing. There are essentially, not, not really, but almost essentially a finite number of extra lives in the game. And the game saves your number of lives when you save. It's okay, that mean. Is... Uh, the, the Legacy Collection adds in a bunch of checkpoints that are basically like, they didn't want to just give you save states, so what they did instead was they gave you checkpoints that, uh, essentially are like loading a save state. You don't lose a life, but they also are more like traditional checkpoints because they will restore your health. Uh... How important is emulation to the preservation of gaming? Corporations cannot be trusted to preserve their own history. Uh, so, incredibly. Uh, but, yeah. Um, uh, uh, that that question merits further discussion, but uh, I'll finish this tear first and then we'll discuss it a bit more. Sure. Uh, Pretty sure I have an audience <laughs> on my stream waiting to see if I fall asleep. Oh, don't worry, you will. Next week, um, Pew and Mega Man are say, certainly trolling it's me. Like, what, they're just not taking bets yet? or what? No, They're asking me if I'm awake. They're asking me if I'm sitting up so I don't fall asleep. <laughs> we should be we should be able to bet uh, like the like points that accrue from watching like RP Game Mask Wheels on whether you fall asleep any given stream. Wow. 
and like you know the the bet will not pay out that much because the answer is almost assuredly yes but at the same time it should be enough um in any uh, case no megman i just been trolling me about falling asleep uh, i would i would like to see waluigi and smash too that would be ridiculous <laughs> but yeah uh in any case uh Mega Man Zero. Uh, so yeah, they, they, they did kind of an elegant solution to... We want to make these games more playable because Mega Man Zero is uh, hateful in terms of how it's balanced. Do they, uh, do they not have the mode they put in the DS collection? It is available as a separate title. Okay. Uh, there is like an easy scenario mode, which yeah. I, I haven't tried it. I assume that is the same thing because that is what the DS collection... Called yeah. it. It was scenario mode, and that that's, was that was a cool mode. That's what I played through those games with, which was very nice. Yeah, that makes them very breezy. If you just want to experience the level design and uh, play through without any of the hassle, that scenario mode's a lot of fun. Uh, I don't think you can recreate the weirder part of uh, the scenario mode in the DS collection, which was that when you the game didn't really... The game treated it as one giant game instead of four separate games. Uh, but... Uh, you can just turn on scenario mode for each individual game. But, yeah. Uh, it's it's a good collection. I'm, I'm very... Like, they, they were paying attention to what the game needed. Uh, what the games needed to be palatable. Uh... That said, I still made the game incredibly difficult on myself because uh, I didn't play for ranks, because playing for ranks in that is heinous. Uh, combined with that abusive life system, the game had a rank system where uh, in order to get high ranks, uh, I think you basically had... I think it was basically... I've never, I'm not sure. I can't be clear on this, but I believe the way the game's ranking system worked was it basically could only ever go down. Hmm. <laughs> if you got a high rank, uh, if you kept a, if you got a high rank in the first level, then it was possible to maintain a high rank further. But if you started at a low rank, it, I couldn't really detect a way to actually increase it. Wow. But uh, the thing about it is that the rank system unlocks uh, both harder versions of the bosses, so. Uh, new certain special abilities that you only get under those circumstances. Now those abilities are actually useful, but it's obnoxious to do that. Uh, but yeah, like I was not playing for ranks, but I also didn't use any of the cyber elves because I am a ninny at heart, and the way that this game introduces cyber elves is basically. These are living, thinking creatures that want to help you. Also, the only way to use them is to eat their souls. Huh? Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, the Cyber Elves are these adorable little moppets that you can collect. if you They grant you power-ups up to and including in the first game, they're the only way to get energy tank. Uh, a few of them are extra lives. They are the only way to increase your health bar. Uh, so playing without elves means playing with a zero who the only upgrades he gets are to allow his moveset to match what he had in Mega Man X4. Uh, otherwise, uh, and a couple of extra weapons, most of which are not that useful. 
it's it's really mean. It's really it's really really mean. Uh, the style, uh, the the rank system will penalize you for having ever used a cyber elf as well, which is another bit of salt rubbed into the wound. Jeez. Uh, so, to get the highest possible rank, uh, you have to play with essentially an unupgraded zero, speed run the level, and never take damage. So, Seems that's easy. really mean. Don't do, <laughs> don't ever play that game for ranks. It will hurt you. Uh, <laughs> it's much more possible to do in, uh, the Legacy Collection because of the way that the... Uh, checkpoint system works. The extra checkpoints do not count as deaths. So if you die, you can just revert to that check. Or if you're if you take a hit or are taking too long, you can just revert to that checkpoint and continue onward as though and, and just perfect each section of the level between checkpoints. So that's that's a huge mercy. Uh, but, you know, it's it's still a miserable way to play the game. Don't play it that way. But yeah, this did mean that I did have to fight the final boss uh, unupgraded and with no energy tanks. He's incredibly hard. Uh, and if you... And you can maybe take four hits before you'll, you'll just die. Jeez. Because there's no way to restore health. Uh, mm -hmm. But I managed it. I believe it took a full third of my playtime. <laughs> so about, yeah, two hours. Damn. But yeah, uh, so that's really hard. But that's also that's mostly not an RPG. There's RPG elements, but yeah, uh, that's that's what I've been playing. Uh, gonna try to polish off uh, Mega Man Zero Two sometime next day or so, and then move on to something obscure and stupid like uh, Rockman.exews for your Bondi Wonder Swan that you definitely own. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> Is that the Wonderswan uh, game I streamed? No, the Wonderswan game you streamed oh, was, was um, Rockman and Forte, yeah. Mirai Nocho Sunshine, yeah, like yeah, Mega Man and Base Challenge from the future. Uh, that was a game. Yeah, that game's horrendous. I have to play that eventually. That game features Air Conditioning Man. <laughs> um, <laughs> Aircon Man. Yep, Aircon Man. But, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that game's horrendous. Rockman.exews is not as bad. It's another attempt to make, uh, Battle Network, uh, let's see, Joe 86 redeemed. Have a drink on me. You better have a drink, Wheels. Uh, yeah, Rockman, uh, WS was a Bandai Wonder Swan spinoff that is, I call it a spinoff, it kind of isn't, uh, in the sense that uh, it's based off of the anime that is based off of the RPGs. And <laughs> it is, it's a platformer that follows the anime's version of the plot. It's very strange that this huh. weird recursive adaptation, I don't know what happened there. Uh... Don't no no guesses. By all accounts, it's not very good, but it is apparently at least better than Rockman and Tamiya and Yoshinsha. So uh, that's something I guess. Uh, but yeah, 
Um, will it be better than Mega Man Network Transmission, which was the same idea of let's make Mega Man Battle Network a platformer? I guess I'll find out. I have only played it enough to prove that it emulates fine. Uh, so yeah, that's that's me. That's what I've been playing. That took way too fucking long. I apologize. Metal Band uh, <laughs> or Mega Man Battle Network is garbage. That's all. What? Why would you say that? Uh, not Battle... The, the platformer. What the hell is it called? Rockman and Forte. Mirai no, 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 no. The, the GameCube platformer. Network transmission. Thank you. Network transmission. That game is garbage. That game is not very good. Yeah. I do think it's very funny, but specifically because it is the only Battle Network game to feature Battle Network's equivalent of Zero. <laughs> An incredibly popular character that I'm sure plenty of people would have loved to see show up in the RPGs. Shows up in network transmission and never again. That's terrible. But, uh, I would imagine they didn't want to pull focus away from base, who is a major plot element of Battle Network 3, which was just about to come out when network transmission happened, even though network transmission takes place between 1 and 2. But... Uh, it's weird that, like, 4, 5, and 6 did not bring back 0.exe. That was a weird choice. Yeah, really weird. But that's your that's your Mega Man way more than a minute. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've been having fun. Uh, you'll probably hear me finally complete my horrible dark task sometime in 2022. I'm about 40 Mega Man games in, and I'm not stopping now. For T. Yes, for T. I've got a list up here. Let me pull this up. I will list off what I have finished. Uh, this is this is this is content, people. This is what you crave. Um, okay. Completed. Mega Man One, Two, Three, Four, Five, Six, Seven. The Wily Wars. Doctor Wily's Revenge. Mega Man Two Game Boy. Mega Man Three Game Boy. Mega Man Four Game Boy. Mega Man Five Game Boy. Mega Man Eight. Mega Man and Base. Mega Man Nine. Mega Man Ten. Mega Man Eleven. Mega Man X. Mega Man X Two. X Three. X Four. X Five. Extreme One. Extreme Two. X Six. X Seven. X Eight. X Command Mission. Battle Network One. Mega Man Network Transmission. Battle Network Two. Battle Network Three. Mega Man Zero. Uh. Let's see. Uh, any more on here that I need to uh, Oh yeah, I did play Mega Man the Power Battle as well. And I haven't finished the Power Fighters yet. Did you ever play the Mega Man game for DOS? That's on the list. It has not been started yet, but 1 and 3 DOS are both on the list. There is no Mega Man 2 DOS. Um, I played one of those. It was the one with um, Aquaman, Dynaman, and Magnaman. Yeah, I can't remember which of those that is. I think it's probably the first one. Yeah, let me see. Only the three boss. Only those three bosses. Yeah, there's only three, three bosses. It's incredible. Oh, uh, you've never seen the. Uh... Okay, no. Sonic Man, Boltman, and Dynaman. One boss. Oh, never uh, mind. I, I misremembered the names. Then it was that those three. Okay. If you've never seen the boss selection screen of uh, Mega Man 1 DOS, I urge you to look it up. It's It looks like a child's drawing. 
I'm gonna drop it in our chat, uh, but not the RP game uh, chat. Like, I just need wheels to stare at it for a second. I cannot. It is incredible to me that this was an official product and not, not a fan game made by a 10-year-old. What the actual fuck? It's incredible. I love, I love how, like, just, like, the <laughs> art is just off. Yeah. Who the heinous looking? Yeah. Uh, yep, I remember that, and the the eyes tracked around, depending on... Yeah, the eyes look at whatever robot master you're highlighting. It looks like Mega Man if he were a character on South Park. Kinda. Also, Mega Man 3 DOS actually has an official subtitle. It's full title, so Mega Man 3, the robots are revolting. I don't know why. <laughs> but well, Mega Man 3... Blue Man, Blue Man, and Leftover Man. Yeah, that one has... Uh, Torch Man, Bit Man, Shark Man, Wave Man, Oil Man, and Blade Man. Not to be confused with the Oil Man and... Mega Man Power Band. Uh, but yeah, that was... Yeah, I, I've, I am like two-thirds of the way through my long Mega Man Odyssey. I have a long list of weird obscurities that I still need to play. Uh, let me pull that list up because it's funny. Uh... Okay, so we've got the rest of the, like, Battle Network games, uh, of course. The rest of the Zero games, the Zax games, Zax Advent, uh, that, the Star Force. Say what? Adult Oh, yeah, yeah, that's on the list. Uh, let me, that, I will get to the weird Ring. Yeah. Say what? That was the one with Ring, I remember that much. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of these, uh... Let's see if I can these up. Okay, so the the weird obscure ones I still have. Rockman and Forte Mirai no Chisensha, Rockman.exe EWS, those were known. Mega Man Battle Chip Network Challenge uh, Battle Chip Challenge, I should say. Rockman.exe 4.5 real operation. I don't think that has an ending, so I'm just gonna play that and call it good. Uh, Mega Man Battle and Chase, that is the kart racing game. Uh, Mega Man Soccer. Take mm -hmm. your guesses as to what that is. Uh, I've seen Mega Man. That. So. Yeah, it's it's not a very good soccer game. I've played. Uh, Mega Man: The Power Battle and Mega Man Two: The Power Fighters. These are two arcade fighting games made for no one. Uh, Wily and Light's Rockboard. That's Paradise. Uh, that's a board game. That's a digital board game. Uh, <laughs> Mega Man 1 and 3. DOS, Mega Man for Game Gear. That was made by US Gold. That is going to be horrible. Uh, Rockman Battle <laughs> and Fighters, Neo Geo Pocket Color. Which is a pseudo-port remake of the arcade games to the Neo Geo Pocket Color. Uh, Street Fighter Cross Mega Man, technically a fan game, but officially endorsed by Capcom America. Good. Say what? 
That one was pretty good, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's officially a fan game, but it was officially endorsed by Capcom USA, so it counts. Yeah, I think they were doing some sort of pro, um, pro, weird project for their major anniversary, and they basically invited people to submit fan games for a certification. Something like that. Yeah, that's the one that ended up winning that. Uh, there's some of these that I don't think I'll ever be able to make run. Uh, most notably, I'm probably not going to be able to make Rockman Strategy happen. Uh, Rockman Strategy. Yeah, Rockman Strategy is a licensed by Capcom, developed by a Taiwanese company called... Uh, or is it, it appears to not be of Japanese origin, I'll put it that way. Uh, yeah, developed by a company called Dreams Come uh, Dream Come True, whose name is immediately followed by a string of uh, a, a string of what are presumably Chinese characters. They could be kanji, but I think they're just, I think they are uh, the well, I think this is a Chinese company. We'll send a picture over to me. I'll, I'll check. Uh, where's your reference just, for this? Yeah, I'll I'll just link the the like Mega Man wiki article that has this in it. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was published by a Taiwanese company called Acer TWP, so that's another reason that I assume that it's Chinese. Um, but yeah, this is impossibly like I cannot imagine successfully getting this to run. Uh, it was a 2001 PC game. I am convinced that it will not function. I would not be able to read it, even if I did get it to function. Uh, yeah. Kind of the same... Hmm? I was going to say, I mean, if we want to get technical, it's Chinese and Japanese for several sections because they share the same symbols. But, oh, of um, course, of course. But, yeah, the, just the title... Yeah, I, I can read part of that because, I mean, Tai Sen at the back is the same, except that it uses a slightly different way of writing the kanji Sen. So this yeah. is definitely Chinese. I mean, it's as if the second hero in the main picture or in the front picture could not tell you that as well. Yeah, yeah I didn't even look at the cover. Yeah. Robot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like um, down at the bottom left side, it says like, if that was Japanese, I would say it was Dai Sanpa, which is like third wave. Mm. And I can't quite make out the bottom right side at all. So, but mm. yeah, it's definitely, it is definitely Chinese. It is definitely mm. not simplified to Chinese, which means it's either Hong Kong or Taiwan. So, yeah, it, it appears to be a Taiwanese company, if I would have had to guess. Uh, but yeah, it's. There's a bunch, there's that, and there's a bunch of uh, Korean edutainment games uh, that I'm probably not going to be able to make run or make sense of. Uh, so I'm probably going to have to content myself with looking up footage on the internet and saying, well, I've experienced that as much as it's going to happen. Same thing for the cell phone only Mega Man Legends spin off uh, Five Great Islands Adventure. Or Great Five Island Adventure, something like that. It's been a while. Uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of nonsense yet to come. 
And then, of course, there's the Mega Man Legends 1 and 2 and Rock Bond. That won't be difficult. Uh, and then, Brand as a coda to the whole thing, just because I think it's funny, uh, Darkwing Duck. Yeah. Sorry, yes. Darkwing, Darkwing Duck. Duck. The, the NES Darkwing Duck game is basically a Mega Man. Let's get dangerous. So, I, in my opinion, it counts, and that means I have to play. Uh, yeah. So, long road past, long road ahead. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that'll that'll be a 2022 project, along with all the other stupid projects I do for no reason. Um, but yeah, that's that's what we've been playing. Uh. Uh, it looks like Wheels is going to get his ass kicked by this Leviathan. Wow. Um, prove me wrong, Wheels. Prove me wrong. Um, see. Then, uh, oh yeah, I wanted to briefly touch on the question Budai gave in the chat uh, in a less, like, uh, rapid-fire response. How important is emulation and preservation of game? Uh, how to describe this? Um, there are a lot of games that no one will ever re-release. There are a lot of games that no one will ever legally be able to re-release. There are a lot of games that uh, the company who owns them is not interested in the fact that they own them. There are a lot of games that the company who owns them would rather conceal that they own them. Emulation is the only way any of those will ever uh, remain playable, uh, especially as the physical uh, materials that contain them officially uh, are inevitably going to succumb to the wares of time. So uh, the answer is incredibly important. Uh, Mind-bogglingly so. The the only reason that many games will ever uh, will avoid being lost to time. So, yeah. Uh, anyone else got something to say on that? Uh, no, you're absolutely correct. Woo! Uh, especially when, uh, you know. The actual physical copies of a lot of those games are going to become stupidly expensive over time. And eventually they will cease to function as we yes. start to see Disprot take hold. Yeah. You may not care to ever play a Pioneer Laser Active game, but someone has to preserve them or else you'll never be able to. Speaking of things that are incredibly expensive and prone to Disprot. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, and we, you even see this like in cartridges as well. Uh, people ran into an issue with some European uh, copies of the Pokemon Gen Three remakes on 3DS. Like essentially ceasing to function 
uh, earlier, like earlier this year, maybe last year. But basically, like as it as it turns out, like yeah, like those those have a shelf life. It's not supposed to be that short by any stretch of the imagination. But the ROM chips on cartridges do just go bad eventually. Uh, I know. I mean, like I remember, gold and silver had a shelf life just because, <clears throat> ironically, the the battery on their clock was running out. Yeah, this is much worse than that. Mm. Uh, because like the the battery was replaceable and it didn't, it stored what time it was in the game, not the data. The yeah. problem with uh, the 3DS games is like the ROM cards just went were gone. They just went bad. Like the data became irretrievable. Wow. They don't pump. Uh, yeah, like th this happens with ROM chips. Again, it typically takes a lot longer than that, and it's not supposed to happen, uh, like in anything less than at least like 30 years. But you know, sometimes you get will get a bad run, and that just happens. Um, I believe currently, uh, like to put this in perspective, uh, the ROM chips that are used to store Switch games are rated to last, like, 50 years. So, I mean, we'll probably be gone by the time they're going to but, you know. Uh, you know, like, eventually, the only way people will be able to play these games is if there is some way to preserve them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, physical is more permanent than uh, purchasing from a digital store, but nothing is for. Mm -hmm. uh, trying to think, how long are mm -hmm. DS games? Uh, rated to last. I think it's like somewhere around like 30 years. Yeah, uh, because they're they're stored on like flash memory, I think, which is part of the problem. But yeah, like eventually they will die and go bad. There's there's not much you can do about that, uh, which is another reason that emulation needs to exist. But yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's check, let's check. What else was I going to look at? Something important, or at least something that's suitable. Oh yeah, I was going to look up if we have any other questions. Yeah, do we have any questions from last episode? Uh, the last episode has nothing. Uh, from two episodes ago, oh, we do have Wheels, could you mute yourself while eating chips, please? That's not a question, but also Gaijin answered that it might have been. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I already apologize for that. Yeah. Definitely yeah, not eating yeah. chips last night. Yeah, in general, if it's, a, if it's a food-related noise, it's probably me having lunch. It's fair. But we have one, one question that we all should have something to pull up for. It's from Crawl, who asks, Getting to that time of year, so, best games you played this year that didn't actually come out this year? 
What was that? Best games you played out, played this year that didn't come out. Oh, okay. Uh, huh. Persona 5 Royal and Dragon Quest 7? Uh, would, would Nino Kuni 2 count since it was tech, it technically did not come out this year, even though it was the Switch port that did come out this year? I'll allow it. I'd say it counts. I would say it counts. It was not originally released this year. No one would. Con like, the Switch port existing would not cause people to consider it for a game of the year award now. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I'd say it counts. What about you, Rios? Oh yeah, you said Persona 5 Royal and Dragon Quest 7. Yeah. As for me, I played a lot of old games. A lot, a lot of old games. Uh, uh, that'd be tough. That would be very tough. Uh, certainly, probably one of the better Mega Man games would be a contender. Uh, but I'd already played a lot of those before, to be fair. Like, my, my number one contender from that series would, of course, be Mega Man X1, which is one of the best platformers ever made. But, again, that was one of the ones I was already familiar with, so that feels like cheating. Uh, trying to focus on games I had not actually played or finished before. Um, something... Not from this year, that I finished this year. Yeah, like, my, my brain is currently clouded by a fog of Mega Man, so it's gonna be something from that. Uh, because that's a lot of what I uh, played that I had not played before. Uh, hmm. Yeah, just, just, just put Mega Man and then a question mark afterwards. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's what you get. Uh, but yeah. Um, um, I guess we should pull up uh, some of the fire miner questions. Nothing yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna run this one through because I feel like the answer is going to be that we're not the people that can we uh, we're not people who can reasonably answer it. Uh, do you think that there is a difference between playing the Bravely games or I am Setsuna when you grew up? What Super Nintendo RPGs compared to when you didn't? Uh, I think we all grew up playing Super Nintendo RPGs, and therefore we're kind of bad people to answer. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't have any. We don't. We don't. I, I can't even think of anyone who has played those games who did not grow up. With them. So I don't. Who did not grow up with Super Nintendo games? So I don't know what that perspective looks like. I would answer that maybe you'll be, you'd be less attached to what they're imitating, but at the same time, it, it, it does feel like it would be hard to ignore the fact that they feel like they are very specifically imitating. 
in many ways, especially Setsuna. Why haven't we got a pro wrestling JRPG yet, considering its following in Japan? Uh, it's not really suited to it. Mm. I was gonna say we have, um, he uh, let's see, Hero Bank. Yeah, Hero Bank. Uh, you you kind of have to like be you you kind of have to dig outside of like if you were just to be like literally a real pro wrestler in an RPG. Like with the only stipulation being like RPG combat and able wrestling game, I don't, I don't think you can make that work. So you do have to do something like Hero Bank, or you do something. Uh, I don't know. Like, there's only so many trios matches you're gonna have in, in most pro wrestling games. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, like the. The answer is, of course, that the things about pro wrestling that, uh, like pro wrestling, shonen, like action, manga, JRPGs are all like a slurry of constant influences upon each other. Uh, like they're all part of that generalized, like, well, this is kind of what you're, what, like, some combination of teenage boys end up liking, and that's what a lot of these are like. So like they they do draw influence upon each other. Sometimes really directly, you get pro wrestlers who are named after manga. Uh, sometimes they'll even outlast that manga by decades. <laughs> <laughs> See the inimitable Jushin Thunder Liger, who is based off of a uh, Go Nagai uh, manga that honestly is not even probably in his top ten most famous or influential works. Uh, but Jushin Liger is one of the most beloved wrestlers of all time. Uh, or Tiger Mask, the gimmick of which has outlasted the uh, Ikikajiwara manga by probably about five decades at this point. Uh, has the the taste of the early seventies. Let me check when the Tiger Mask manga originally happened. Well, what I think really is really that um, Japan has multiple risks in politics. Repeat that, I did not hear. Yeah, um, Japan has more than one professional wrestler politics. Yeah, let's not think too hard about Antonio and Oki. That's a dark place to be. Um, you're you're cutting out really hard for me. I'm not sure if that's me or you. Uh, I think both of us can Yeah, he's cutting out for me a lot too. I'm not sure how to fix that either. Okay, I uh, looked it up. The original run of the Tiger Mask manga was started in nineteen sixty eight and concluded in nineteen seventy one. Jeez. Uh Tiger Mask, the pro wrestling gimmick. Uh, Tiger Mask 1, uh, the first of the Tiger Mask gimmick wrestlers. Uh, let's see. 
Ah, okay. So Tiger Mask One is was Satoru Sayama, who is, if you know anything about Japanese pro wrestling, an incredibly important figure. Uh, I'll maybe get into the short version of that, but like the gimmick of Tiger Mask was pulled up as essentially a cash and nostalgia grab in the early 80s, uh, signed to Satoru Sayama. There has been some form of Tiger Mask essentially in uh, in perpetuity since then. Uh, so for about 40 years. For a manga that lasted three years. Uh, but... Yeah. I actually remember an early episode of Doraemon that made fun of Tiger Mask. Yeah. Original Tiger Mask is a wild, <laughs> a wild show. Uh, yeah. Slash manga. But uh, for, for the record, uh, since this is an obsession of mine and I feel like talking about it, Satoru uh, Sayama is an incredibly important figure in the history of uh, Japanese professional wrestling. He is still alive. Uh, born in 1957. Uh, I might date back to the JWA, actually. Uh, nope, nope. Uh, still, yeah, JWA is more like Antonio. He's zero. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Tiger Mask, uh, Satoru Sayama is, uh, how to quickly describe this. Uh, so, uh, around, okay, let me see if I can pull up. Yeah, so late in uh, his pro wrestling career, uh, he, uh, you know, he, he does the pro wrestling thing. He, you know, he's been Tiger Mask for a while. Uh, he works for a promotion called the UWF, which was the Universal Wrestling Federation. Uh, he would get in a big fight with one of its heads. Uh, this led to them shooting on each other during a match. If you know anything about pro wrestling, that means one of them started actually beating the shit out of the other. Uh, let's see, Maita delivered some controversial kicks to Sayama's lower abdomen. Uh, Sayama claimed he was kicked in the groin. Uh, Sayama left the UWF. A uh, bunch of other UWF wrestlers disliked him. Uh, eventually, he goes off and writes a book. That basically is the point where, and that book is basically, yeah, Japanese pro wrestling's fake. Pro wrestling's fake, as it turns out. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, pro wrestling always has, of course, you know, it, it is, you know, worked. And there is always the acknowledgement that it has worked. But, you know, there is always, like, it, especially in the 80s, there was always the, like, uh, you know, you pull in the people who think it might not be worked. Uh, and, you know, it's unclear how well those people will respond to that knowledge. Uh, so, you know, that, that was a big deal that uh, ha caused a very a seismic shift in how pro wrestling worked in Japan, as well as kickstarting Japanese mixed martial arts. Uh, 
1985, he founded a promotion called Shuto, which, uh, as you can probably guess, is a is just taking the English word shoot and, uh, you know, transliterating it into Japanese. It is formed in kanji, but it's clearly uh, like they chose kanji to match the existing name. Yeah, it's called uh, Teji. Yeah, yeah, Teji. Uh, yeah, because like the first one, the first word, uh, the first kanji, I should say, is like practice or train. That makes sense. The second kanji is ladle. Yeah. Uh, so not not a lot of thought there. They just wanted to sound tall. But uh, yeah, Sh Shuto is essentially the first major Japanese anime prom promotion. It's from. 1985. Uh, mm -hmm. Very, very important to that. Uh, the attempt by Japanese pro wrestling to attempt to reassert that it was real produces some truly uh, gonzo, but ridiculous wrestling promotions. Uh, <laughs> because they're still worked, but now they have the trappings of really complicated rule sets. So you get uh, wrestling promotions with names like uh, Union of Professional Wrestling Force International, uh, which has uh, a point system and fake time, like fake point system and fake uh, ringmen and like all of these like weird, uh, <laughs> all of these weird trappings to try to look more like real fighting while still being worked, and it's it's truly baffling. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to do the, the pro wrestling history, because pro wrestling is very fascinating. I apologize. Uh, let's see. Is there a crime game that is too self-serious and cynical to play besides perhaps the first Mafia? Yakuza, GTA, and Payday all have their silly moments to elevate the mood. Uh, I, I'm probably the most equipped to answer this as well, I assume. And I, I would say that the answer is Grand Theft Auto 4. That's the reason a lot of people dislike it, is that it is mostly a story about how uh, the protagonist works his way up in a crime organization and ends up with everyone he cares about either dead or hating him, and very little to show for it. Mm-hmm. You got any? Uh, I cannot think of any that were be actually that irredeemably, irredeemably bad. Hmm. No. I wouldn't really call GTA 4 irredeemably bad, but it was clear that the audience did not care. Like, the audience did not want that. <laughs> I'm... It's in a, in a irredeemably serious in tone, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, there's this... Ga games trying to be self-serious is pretty... Uh, on that topic, is there anything related to crime in Japan that would be too taboo to put in Yakuza? I've always wondered how a mission, uh, how a, a mission with all these nationalist groups would look like. Yakuza does not touch on what most of the Yakuza's business is, because if they touched on what most of the Yakuza's business is, it would be too grim for any character to be sympathetic. Yeah. A lot of 
lot of things that we would probably describe as something like human trafficking. Uh, generally, some like the 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 most that they'll usually touch on as like a taboo subject is like they will imply that like some of the real bad guys are probably doing drugs. Yeah. But like the the human trafficking, the murder, the like general stuff, like you get the glamorous crimes like gambling, and the the rest kind of gets not talked about because you could not make that sympathetic. <laughs> or the kind of sketchy stuff like the hostess clubs. Yeah, which are in that sort of like edge case of like some of these people are probably doing this uh, willingly. Some of them probably not so much. Uh, yeah, like in Yakuza, like you always get like these hostess clubs where it's like, oh, I just do this to get some extra cash. I'm having a good time. And it's like, well, some some people are like that. But yeah, and then of course, yeah, like getting into the uh, getting getting further into the ethnonationalist stuff. Like, there's definitely some of that in Yakuza. Uh, but bearing in mind also that, by all accounts, a lot of the Yakuza is made up of uh, people of uh, Korean descent or Barakumin who have difficulty getting jobs in a lot of sectors of society. So, yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's it's all. It, it, that, that's another subject you probably wouldn't uh, see brought up too much. Like, they, they do bring up, like, oh, you know, like, characters will have, will be, like, half Korean or something, and that'll get brought up as, like, a source of prejudice or something, but you also won't get... Uh, I've never heard anyone in Yakuza, for example, bring up the concept of Barakumin for that matter. <laughs> well, I mean, if you get into the topic of Koreans and the Yakuza, several of the major Yakuza groups were formed by Korean immigrants during the Second World War. Yeah, yeah, because that's uh, that's that's the job they could get. <laughs> no, <laughs> Can't I mean, get a real job, so. No, I mean it wasn't that. It was like a lot of them were actually in construction, and they formed yeah. basically self-managed unions of a sort. But eventually, to, uh... just went full on. Oh no, they started full on. Um, oh yeah, because uh, quite often they were working against their own management and um, stealing funds. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah, um, yeah, so, oddly enough, I, it's probably one of the least racist sections of dealing with the Yakuza is, um, Korean ancestry. Yeah, it's yeah. probably just really They'll probably joke about it, but wouldn't be as major a thing as, like, like I said, uh, they're not going to touch Barakamine. They are not going to yeah. touch that at all. Yeah, there's... There's all sorts of laws that exist just to keep people from, just to try to keep that sort of prejudice from having, from continuing. Yeah. Yeah. The the majority of the country is quite willing to forget, um, to uh, forget all about this, except for the small percentage of the country that is absolutely not willing to forget about it because they need somebody to hate. Yeah. So. It's uh yeah it's a, it's an it's a long ugly subject that Gaijin could definitely talk about more intelligently but it's also not really germane to the podcast so we won't. <laughs> uh, in light of Advent Children remastered remastered should we ask if making a game character cool means stereotyping? Uh, 
Nevin Children definitely has a false reading of Cloud, but as someone who played FF7 at 13 back then, I always feel like the coolest things Cloud did in FF7 are also the most stereotypical action hero stuff. I guess I get what you mean. Uh, I mean, like, there's, there's just certain things that people are trained to think are cool in media, and, like, to some extent, it's very hard to convince people that someone's cool if they don't do that, which is why you'll also see people get... Uh, be much less fond of characters who, quote, don't do enough. <laughs> so. Yeah, on some level, if your goal is to make the character cool, you kind of do have to put them through the motions of, and then they did a cool thing. And there are different ways you can approach that. They can just be really strong, they can outsmart their opponent, but usually being cool means coming out on top. Uh, any other thoughts? <laughs> Conflicting opinions? Hmm. Not really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, is it easier to make side characters look cool because we don't need to know them as intimately as the main characters? I mean, it's more safe to make a side character have that as their defining trait because you know well they're not the they player avatar they're not the player avatar but typically it's a character that's going to go through a journey unless they're silent mm -hmm. and so they're the ones that are most exposed to go through a journey typically they have to like fuck up at some point like that's you know part of the uh typical dramatic structure uh so, you know, you're going to have to deflate that kind of uh, breakdown typically deflates the armor pool around that character. So, yeah, if you just want someone to be cool, like side characters are usually easier unless the char main character does not have to handle any like real emotional journey. We've seen people try to work around this, and that's why you'll get like the the brooding uh, anti-hero sort of character who has to like work through things. But like, if they ever cease to be that, which is often where that character development sort of has to go, uh, then you've just you know kind of decided that Cool is not their primary character. <laughs> uh, yeah, Aaron from. I mean, Auron from Final Fantasy X. Yeah. He's, uh... He's allowed to be cool. And that's most of most of what he does. Mm -hmm. He gets to brood, and the only thing he... Like, he's gonna be a miserable bastard about it the entire game, but he's just going to... Like, the only thing he wants is to basically just be done, so... But yeah, you also see the the corresponding problems like, you know, Titus is uh is a uh you know, the strongest one of the strongest fighters in the game. Uh talented sports megastar, popular with everyone and the uh you know, and the player character and the thing he is remembered for is uh that he is upset at his dad and some people will never forgive him for that. Also laughing weirdly. That happens once. Yeah, but that was on purpose. It was, but that has not never stopped people from mocking. 
Yeah. It's amazing how much that scene got stripped of its context over time. But that's more of a, how the internet works than anything. Yeah. Here's one for the wheels in the audience. <laughs> as long as wheels is a What's that? What do you think about tower defense minigames, case in point, East 8, and Monster Hunter Rise? Not sure if those actually are in that. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't describe the one in Monster Hunter Rise as tower defense. Really. I don't remember when these were written, so I don't think Monster Hunter Rise was out when so that might have just been a misconception. No, it's. I guess it's sort of tower defense, but eh. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What was the other it's one? East eight. Yeah, East eight. I mean, East eight's more just like fighting off base defense. Fighting off hordes of enemies. It's not like the, I don't remember if you have to like build structures or anything. Yeah, you're you're running into like kind of. I think you're having a difference of definition here because like the. Uh, what was I say? Because uh, like you know you you can have like defense like uh, tower defense for whether tower defense requires the construction of like uh, essentially an automated defense device or not is, I guess, the difference of definition that's occurring here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I do think that, like, automated base defense uh, construction feels like a very... probably a bad use of resources in yeah. most things that are not built around it. Yeah, like... Because, like, that's a... Okay. I was gonna say, in the Monster Hunter's case, they've always tried to do like modes, I don't know, like big battles, and this is Rise's attempt to do that, and I think it plays a lot better than the ones because in past games it's like okay, there's this giant monster, and you have to run around and like use ballistas and stuff, and it's kind of not good. Oh, I remember that in the trailers for World. Yeah. Um, Whereas this is a lot more interactive and fun, but it's still like I would rather just play the core game experience. I don't need I don't need these supposedly big giant epic battles. I just want to play the game. And so a battle in Monster Hunter against an actual Monster Hunter monster yeah. is already epic enough. Yeah. So in Monster Hunter's case, I think it's just misguided. Mm. And East Eight is fine because it's still you. It's all the combat. Like it's just more mm. of the combat. It's totally fine. It's just a context for the combat, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of a a big thing. Like because like I, I would describe using like having to add like automated uh, tower defense into most genres as like. It, it, as like a side content to most genres is like kind of wasteful. Yeah. Just because like that's a that's a huge additional bit of engineering just to like make that work. Whereas like but the the opposite end is of course how East Eight's doing it, where you 
drop the player into a series of waves of opponents, which is really just a way to stretch to to like use pre-constructed assets to make more games. Yeah, and that I'm fine. That with. that makes much more sense to me. Yeah. But yeah, as long as you don't overdo it, like there's only so much of those that I need. But like, I mean, we see that kind of wave-based combat show up in almost every action RPG at least once, sometimes yeah. with different contexts, like uh, the Battle of a Thousand Heartless in Kingdom Hearts 2 or something like that. Yeah. But, I mean, like I said, the one Arise is not necessarily not fun, it's just like... Not what you actually wanted to play right. when you played Monster Hunter. Uh <sighs> What are the odds of Square Enix creating a game about just Ripple Triad? Sega did it with Episode 3 of PSO. Uh, well, Square has made card game RPGs, certainly. Ripple Triad, I don't think, is actually a strong enough card game to support an entire RPG. It's not. <laughs> no. It's but, really not. Yeah. But... Yeah, the uh, like I think uh, Yoko Taro's most recent game is technically a card game. I think it might just use card game as a metaphor, though. I don't think it's actually a card-based RPG, but Square has definitely released card-based RPG. Uh, what ones are currently escaping me, but I'm certain they'll take this. But yeah, uh, as much as there's a lot of fondness for Triple Triad, I don't think it could sustain being the, ma the meat of an entire game. No. There's not enough elements to its rule set. There's not enough... Like, it, there's there's just only so much you can do with it. Mm -hmm. It's simple. It's simple in a way that makes it suited to being a minigame. I despise it, but I mean, I'm clearly not the majority, at least as far as to think about out of eight in the past 20 years. But, uh... It's it's simple because it's supposed to be something you play on the side. Uh, it's yeah. Uh, if they do ever, if we do ever somehow enter the cursed universe where like a major Final Fantasy title somehow has a card based uh, combat system, I will be allowed to uh, end all life as we know it. <laughs> that's that's the contract that I have signed with the universe. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, there's one. Uh, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Although that's kind of also cheating as a card as card games go. It is it. That's a weird combat. And that is a really weird combat. That's yeah, kind of... uh, yeah. That's yeah. I guess that's technically a card game, but that's more like the uh, like the command deck from uh, the games that followed after Earth that. Earth by Sleep and Dream Drop yeah. Distance, where it's. It's not. It's not really a card game. It's card as it's... metaphor. It has some rules that make more sense in the context of a card game, and they're right. like using the terms like slights for sleight of hand. But uh, as as it goes, like card games have real like like real card games have really uh, are, are designed about like creating a lot of different interesting combinations. It's actually really hard to make. A video game card game that has the diversity of strategy of 
a real card game just because like uh, when I, when I say that I mean like a single player focused card game based RPG kind of can't have the diversity of strategy of a real like TCG mm-hmm. because those like the, the closest I could think of to how you would do it is also something that would probably infuriate uh, like a large portion of the audience because the only thing I can think of is that like instead of buying a new set of equipment at a new town. Like, when you reached certain milestones in the game, it would just trigger the release of another set of boosters. <laughs> um, that's actually kind of how... Um, what was it? Oh. DS game, stickers. Um, I sent this one to you. Is Monster Strike? No. Not Monster uh, Strike. Uh, oh, oh, oh um, um drawing a blank oh man uh i can't think of the name of it it's the one that had the the magical stickers that you put on your arms and you could shoot fireballs basically yeah um, i grabbed the game but i think it's only titled in <laughs> japanese put it on the camera we'll look at it oh, <laughs> or just look at my recent review history yeah. uh, okay one Oh, I know it's a. I even know that it's alliterative. Brain, brain, why are you not working with me on this? Brains have uh, failed us all. Blazer drive, that was it. No, Blazer right, drive, that's what. Yeah. I remembered you that, talking that about I, that one a lot. Yeah, that one actually does have booster packs. Hmm. But yeah, like and. When you when you do that, you end up with like the the other issue. So you can't not, really not Monster Strike. No, it was Blazer Drive. Oh, Blazer Drive. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, the the thing I was going to say, and we also can maybe speak more intelligently to this, is that uh oh, also hi Tim. Uh, but what I was going to say was. Uh, sorry, my brain. Uh, basically, uh, the it, it's impossible to uh, organically simulate the development of a meta game. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you you really can't uh, properly make uh, a card game. RPG that truly simulates a proper TCG. Yeah, I mean, you. Uh, you'd if ha- someone you'd... on your friends list is playing Greatest Attorney. <laughs> you'd have to uh, just like replace any sort of leveling with like just basically getting better cards. Yeah. So it'd be pretty hard to do. I mean, that's kind of how like. Game, like that Shadowverse game and like the Pokemon trading card games work, I think. Mm-hmm. But those are, of course, based on a real card. Right. And so, video game card based RPGs have to work in very different fashions. Which is why they often end up feeling more like metaphors for actual, uh, for, for more nor- traditional combat systems. 
We also getting brutalized in Dark Souls. Um, well, that's what Dark Souls is for. True. True. Uh, I do want to to bring up uh, uh, in regards to that question. It was also brought up that Sega did it with episode three of PSO. Yeah, the version of PSO that did so well, they never touched. They never talked about it again. <laughs> Fantasy Star Online episodes 1, 2, and 4 are available for your PC. <laughs> Oof. Will we ever get a good Star Trek RPG? We did it. It's called Mass Effect. Nice. I was going to say, Xenostalgia 1 and 2 for the DS is pretty much a, a Star Trek-style RPG. Yeah. Why do you got to hurt us with that? <laughs> We need to know our place. Uh, <laughs> but and and Smokin' Joe is uh, like is is trolling wheels for having chosen for being a sorcerer of some sort. What it's easy um, mode? What the hell is he talking about? I think that's why he's shaking his head at you. But. Uh, yeah, uh, as for uh, whether we'll ever see like an officially licensed uh, good Star Trek RPG, yeah, probably. Time to do that would have been like 2000. <laughs> they did try Star Trek Online. And hence why, and hence why Fireminer's question was, will we ever get a good Star Trek? Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. But, yeah, man, I think Star Trek Online is still technically going. I don't think it ever got shut down, but I haven't heard of anyone playing it, probably at least. Man, why is that thing still going, and yet we can't still have City of Heroes? Uh, City of Heroes was a mess under the hood. No justice. They're also running it on a private server now. What, City of also Heroes? Yeah. That did happen, yes. Uh, there was a good. port of Star Trek online to the PS4, what the hell? <laughs> the most recent expansion pack was called Victory is Life, and it came out in 2018, which means less recently than the most recent expansion pack. Oh, I should check if the most recent if there's a new EverQuest expansion. Yeah, <laughs> I that's... have to keep track of this. Okay. Uh, it was announced on the game's official website on October 12, 2021. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, oh, I love checking this every year. And it just came out on December 7th of 2021. Oh, God. <laughs> Even COVID could not stop the clockwork release of new EverQuest expansions. Nothing can stop it. Current level cap 120. It's like the cockroach of MMOs. Uh, Terror of Lucklin. The story revolves around the return to the moon of Lucklin, the setting of the third expansion. Care to guess what number expansion this is, Wheels? 30th? 28. That yeah, was close. Wow. But I yeah. went over, so I lose. 
We've been playing this entire episode of Q&A Quest by Price is Right. I do want to say that nothing has ever been more terrifying than finding out that for a while at the beginning of EverQuest, like, the first two expansions to EverQuest came out six months apart. Huh. Wow. April 24th of 2000, followed by December 5th of 2000, so eight months apart. But, yeah, closer to seven. But yeah, it's just like, why? Ow. Lots of sleepless also, nights for those employees. They just planned it that way. Let's also look at uh, the fourth expansion came out on October 29th of 2002. Fifth expansion came out on February 25th of 2003. <laughs> Five months later. Jesus. That one was probably smaller though, because it was uh, it was the they were hyping it as it was the first download only one in like two thousand two, so probably probably wasn't that big of an expansion. <laughs> and then the next one was in September of that year. Jesus, seven months later. And then, yeah, for a while they were doing like one one every six months. That's how they managed to get to twenty eight in less than twenty years. <laughs> So that's horrifying. I would love to know what the what players of like the most recent recent expansion of EverQuest look like. Like someone someone who works at like a legit outlet that gets paid to do things needs to like go and just like interview people who are still playing EverQuest on its twenty eighth expansion. Hello, sir. Why are you still playing? No, really, why? Why? Like, it's just the only community you have. Uh... The last time they, they tried to sell these to new players was the EverQuest Anniversary Edition in April 2007, which included the base game and its first 13 expansion. <laughs> So we are at 15 expansions that have never been, like, bundled together in any fashion to attempt to onboard new players. Just, hey, guess what? <laughs> no one's new is going to play EverQuest. I don't even know how you would... Yeah, like, sorry, I, I get on this tear, like, every six months, every time I'm reminded of it. Ibudai says, I bought Shenmue 3 for 5 bucks, hope it's worth it. There's probably 5 bucks worth of entertainment in that, even if you're just befuddled by it. Too expensive. Wow. Wow. Five dollars too expensive. Actually, I'm sorry, that's about ten dollars too expensive. Arsh. You're being very harsh. <laughs> Wheels wasn't ready for full reactivized entertainment. No. Uh, doesn't it creep you out when you imagine dead MORPG zones? I don't. 
I can't imagine how many people are actually on an EverQuest server at this point. It feels like it must be a ghost town most of the time. I gotta be honest, I kind of want to subscribe for a month and poke around. Just to see what it looks like. Yeah. You'll never get to level 120 in a month. I ain't trying mm. that. Good. <laughs> anyone like there's yeah. going to be no one playing the base the base content of that game. <laughs> I mean the only time I've ever played it was the the uh the Mac version. I'm sure that was always like an expansion or two behind. Yeah. She probably died in inglorious death. <laughs> uh no longer no longer usable on uh, Mac OS X. Now that they refer to it, no, I, don't, I think they shut they down. They changed the, its name. It, it was separate servers. Oh man, that must have been a super ghost yeah, town. Yeah, it was not good. Uh, I, I say servers. I think it was a single server. <laughs> the server. Yeah. God, that must have been sad. That I can't. I don't know if there was like a tech reason they had to do. It. It that way, but that just seems really, really stupid. <laughs> like at, at that point, it's one of those things where it's like, even if there is a tech reason, maybe just to bother. Yeah. Well, I mean, that uh, was, I think that was shortly before, like, uh, the World of Warcraft launched, and, you know, that. It's that, launched that completely. That. I still love thinking about the. A PS2 EverQuest game that's inexplicably lasted until like 2012. <laughs> so weird. Despite having, despite having a peak subscriber base of 30,000. <laughs> Received a solitary expansion before being sent to hell. Jeez. Well, the uh, best EverQuest games are the those action RPGs. Champions of Nora. Yep. Those are yeah, those games. are some of the only like loot grind uh, dungeon crawlers that I actually enjoy. Yeah, those are really good. I never really got around to the sequel, and now they're pricey. But yeah, Champions of Nora: Realms of EverQuest is a bafflingly good uh, loot loot farm action RPG. Yeah. I mean, it's just like an it's a an evolved form of those uh, Dark Alliance games, but they, they yeah, it was made really, by the it was made by the developer of the yeah. first Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. But they are really good. Like, there's a lot of classes you can pick from, if I remember right, and just cool level, they were, cool level design and lots of lots of good stuff. They're really good. They're they were pleasingly uh, simplified in terms of inventory management yeah. and such. So generally just a much more playable thing. Uh, I don't know how many more questions I can get through. Just do one more. Okay. okay. One, one more and then I need to bring in my laundry and get ready for stuff. That's, That's good. Is that just me or do big name western developers barely make non-AAA releases? Feels like everything EA or Bethesda makes are the next big thing, unlike Square Enix and Capcom. Ubisoft, though, seems like they have some room for smaller releases. Uh... I mean, yeah, a lot of them have a very boom and bust mentality. Like, some of them have diversified over the past few years into occasional smaller titles. You'll get things like EA packages, that sort of yeah. thing. But 
the, here we witness the difference between American and Japanese business models. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. There's a... Uh, for, for these big companies, uh, they view anything that is not being directed to the highest possible returns as opportunity cost. And so rapidly cut anything that is not the biggest business in their portfolio. Which is very unhealthy when the biggest thing in their portfolio starts to lose popularity. Mm. Yep. If that happens, they suddenly become like a danger like a danger to themselves as they scramble desperately to find something to replace their sudden uh, dead cash cow. But, yeah. It's uh, too often all the time. Yeah, I mean, like, if you want to look at, like, the history of a company like Activision, uh, their entire history has been bleed something dry until something else comes along, and hope something else comes along by the time you've bled this thing dry. So, like, Activision became one of the biggest publishers on the map because they, uh, because Tony Hawk Pro Skater was a, like, Smash hit because I mean, like they they were rebuilding the brand for most of the late nineties, uh, and uh, by like by the time that that died, they were lucky that Call of Duty was starting to take it was start. Actually, let's get this timeline straight. Call of Duty was a reasonable seller, but it was not the biggest thing in the world yet. Bigger problem, uh, they jumped on to Guitar Hero and ran that into the ground in approximately four years. By that time, Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out and that became the biggest thing on the map. That was in continual growth mode until, like, 2015, at which point it's mostly been a relatively steady but no longer growing franchise. And, of course, the uh, way that corporations are set up for continuous growth is the only proof of, uh, is the only success uh, that has been part of the cause of them, you know, constantly bleeding themselves, like, bleeding employees dry and cutting them out. Like, try, constantly firing people in order to uh, pay off uh, the C-suite and uh, the shareholder dividends. So... More imperative to provide shareholders. Yep, it sucks. Um... But yeah, uh, that's that's kind of the thing. Uh, Square Enix or Capcom, they're slightly more diversified because you'll get, uh, and you'll even see like their their A level talent doing smaller games, uh, you know, on on a fairly frequent basis. You'll get something like, uh, I'm going to say something about it. Uh, like Yokotaro's card game or uh, Nomura like going off to make like five handheld games uh, like you know ke keeping those people happy usually involves letting them make smaller games anyway and it helps diversify their portfolio um, what's the other thing about that mm -hmm. and of course Capcom uh Capcom is a company famous for its sheer capacity to reuse assets over and over and over, <laughs> which is 
uh, part of what keeps them profitable. Uh, so that's part of their diversification strategy. And of course, they they they're in all sorts of businesses. Like they, uh, you know, they're they're less famous for it than Konami. They definitely have a healthy pachinko business, but they just didn't decide that video games were done, and now we only do pachinko. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like. So you're saying there's a Monster Hunter pachinko machine out there somewhere? Almost assuredly, dude. Yeah, there is. Like that would be way too lucrative of a license. Even if they weren't making it themselves, they would. Someone probably would have paid normal like for that license. <laughs> I mean, I've seen them advertised as of like ten years ago or more. Yeah, I'm seeing like a Monster Hunter Four pachinko machine. Which, yeah, about 10 years ago. <laughs> and it can be yours for $1,250. Nope. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. You get these and it's just like, yeah, no, no. Uh, but, yeah. You know. It's like, realistically, Western companies should absolutely be more into diversifying. The most, the most they'll diversify into now is mobile games. Which are the the closest things that they will come to? Let's make a title with a smaller budget. But Ugh. there's yeah, there's <laughs> the the way that they go about making them is heinous, as is well known at this point. Uh, but I'm tired, so we should probably close this out. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Gaijin, please tell us about Princesses Pizza Parlors and the connection thereof. Okay, so yes, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited for ebook and paperback. Um, if you enjoy tabletop games, watching people play tabletop games, which is its own little cottage YouTube industry at this point, uh, reading about yeah. tabletop games or just wanting to support your like local gaijin please um just give it a look uh, check them out leave reviews tell it tell all your friends uh we are having a author's birthday sale running from january 8th to the 13th just because do it every year were you able um, to to work out the issue you were concerned about last week oh no that won't be possible for another three days gotcha is it um, there is a <laughs> there is um, there are time periods for these things, and you, you can't have a sale for an item beyond this item's particular time period. And those three are times up in three days, so I have to gotcha. check in three days, three check in four days to see if I can set it for that week. Fair enough. Got to be awful close. But yeah, available uh, Kindle, Kindle Unlimited paperbacks. Uh, Plenty of plenty of material for those interested. And I'm serious, like let's play podcasts of Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder are incredibly popular these days. So what you're they're saying always, is always numerous. They're incredibly numerous these days. So what you're saying is turn turn a couple chapters into a podcast is a sample. Eh. <laughs> I don't think we could get wheels to pretend to be a 12-year-old girl. No, that it wouldn't work out well. No. I don't know. That might, that might amuse people enough to get them in, but... <laughs> uh, 
but yeah. Uh, so you know, give those a look. Get them for the uh, give them for the young adult reader in your life. Wheels is getting wrecked by a captain. It's really the dog. Yeah. There's also the camera. Yeah, there's extra <laughs> dogs in there, and I need to take them out first. <laughs> They're just. I don't like this boss. Who else? Plug. Uh, you can catch us uh, Sunday nights for Sunday night shenanigans, usually around midnight, uh, where we play random RPGs, then play some fighting games over my channel. You can catch my channel for random nonsense. Occasionally I will destroy my brain by playing many card games at once to seeing... Mm -hmm how well I can actually do, which last time was shockingly well in most of the games. Uh, and um, I'd say next week we will probably, we will be recording our normal day, which will probably be just more freeform. We'll talk about whatever the hell we want. How is that yeah. different from normal? It's going to be unnumbered. We don't have. We are not be required to answer anyone's questions. We can. Normally, whole... we at least have the pretense of a question yes. being answered before I talk about pro wrestling for ten minutes. Yes. <laughs> well, he did ask that. He asked about a pro wrestling RPG, so I was allowed to talk about pro wrestling for ten minutes. Uh, but yeah, normally we have the pretense of answering a question. Yeah, but this will be a side quest. I'm not sure what I'll title it, but it's just the end of end of year nonsense, whatever. So end of year spooktacular. I don't think that's spooky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you got the wrong consonant. Spooftacular. Oh, that's good. Uh, in any case, um, moving on. Uh, and yeah, my plug. I still have a Patreon. Uh, you can still read it whether you donate or not, but I appreciate all donations. It is at patreon.com slash gameculturestudy. Uh, there's an associated Twitter account that I also used to post about video games. Recently, it has been posting a lot of screen caps of absurd dialogue from Mega Man Battle games. Uh, that is at the underscore underscore FBM. Uh, feel free to give that a follow if you need more screen caps of Mega Man Battle Network games in your life. Uh... I'm still undone by the existence of an enemy type in Battle Network 3 called Dominerd. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, that's, those are weird games. Say what? Dominating nerd. Yeah, basically. I, <laughs> I saw, like, a post in the game's in-game BBS that was just, like... A, like... It was, it was something, like, attacked by Dominerd. And all I could think was the exact thing that I tweeted, which was like, this just feels like the internet every day. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's, that's fun if you want really stupid, stupid shit in your, uh, if you want, if you want some dumb stuff, give that a follow. Uh, in any case, uh, you can also, uh, you can send us questions for the record. Put them in the Discord. 
you want to join the Discord, go to the community tab of the RP Gamer website and find a link to join the Discord community there. It's a lovely place, uh, even if you don't want to ask us questions. But yeah, if you want to ask us questions, you can uh, ask them in the podcast section of the Discord. You can ask them in the comments section. Thank you once again to Crawl for the questions, as well as Fireminer for the questions. Uh, we have proven that we will answer pretty much anything you ask. Yep. If you Even if you ask the same thing twice, if you decide that you are not satisfied with our answer, just ask it again, and we will probably talk about something completely different. It's true. Um, but yeah. Uh, you can also ask us questions in the Twitch chat. We typically uh, stream somewhere around 11.30 midnight Eastern on Wednesdays. Uh, And, well, starting from then, usually we end somewhere much later. But, uh, yeah, you can ask us questions in the Twitch chat at twitch.tv slash rpgamer. If you want to, uh, there's plenty of other great streams that happen on twitch.tv slash rpgamer. Uh, usually something happening basically every night. Always a pleasant time. Uh, otherwise, see you, Space Cowboys. See ya. Yeah.